0: From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. The Ohio House passes a resolution. To create a special August election and align our Constitution with other states to ensure public consensus before changing our foundational document. And the crowd goes wild, literally, inside the House chamber, forcing the Speaker to kick everyone out, including yours truly. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek. Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Rob Sexton, BFA's Legislative Affairs Director. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dean. It's great to be back. So, Rob, we survived the insurrection at the Ohio Statehouse. How about that? Yes. You know, previously I only got to watch
1: insurrections on TV. This time I got to experience one firsthand.
0: Yeah, we were there right in the thick of it. Uh, i got to say the protests were loud. I have a little bit of tinnitus, so I'm, you know, a little sensitive to that. And I actually have a sound level app on my phone. That's how much of a geek I am. And when we were waiting in the Capitol Rotunda, the yelling actually reached peak levels of 105 decibels, which is way louder than what you need to cause hearing loss, I just I just want to play a sample of what it was like when we were down there. One person, one vote. 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 Wow, Rob, that that was loud. I mean, it doesn't really come across. Here on the podcast, because, you know, we level everything out, but it was really down uh, loud down there with all the marble and everything bouncing around. Rob remind me to take hearing protection the next time we're at the state house.
1: Yeah, I never thought about needing hearing protection there. Of course, my hearing is already going bad from all the shooting I've done over the years. So this did not help. I will point this out too there is a definite difference in the hygiene levels between those on our side and those on the other I, I would be glad to offer some deodorant recommendations for folks on the other side, but I'm not sure they're going to listen to this podcast.
0: Well, unfortunately I do not have an app on my phone that measures that, uh, <laughs> just, just the noise. That's, that's all I measured. And then fortunately uh, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. So uh, Rob, We've been working to get Senate Joint Resolution 2, SJR 2, passed and help set up an August election. We've been successful at that. And when we were down there, opponents showed up in force and decided to shut down House members, and security basically just cleared the chamber. Not that we were doing anything wrong, we were just casualties of war, but we had to leave the building set up shop at a nearby restaurant where we watched the vote on my cell phone. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but I want to back up here and remind our listeners about SJR two and what that's all about. So Rob, what is SJR two? Okay. So Senate joint resolution
1: two and its cousin house joint resolution one raise the bar for what it takes to change Ohio's constitution. Currently, Ohio is in the minority of states that even allows initiated changes to its constitution, uh, but but it it doubles down on that weakness by making those changes only by a 50.1% margin. So if you get 50.1% of the votes from people, then you can change Ohio's constitution. You contrast that with the federal constitution which requires two-thirds of both houses of Congress and three-fourths of the states to ratify any change to the nation's foundational document, you can see just how vulnerable that Ohio's Constitution really is. So why does that matter to Buckeye Firearms Association? Well, it matters because the lower the bar, easier big money interests can come rolling in with their gun control agenda and put something on the ballot to change our constitution and i think dean you know between you and i we could spitball probably four or five potential gun restrictions that would likely come from something like this right so assault weapons ban or high capacity magazine ban or of course universal background checks uh gun show loophole talk, you know, all the all the greatest hits from the Bloomberg Bunch would be potentially inserted into our Constitution, and if that sounds crazy, keep in mind that, o, that Ohio's casinos are named in the Constitution now as a result of this weakness, not just that casinos are allowed, but they're specifically identified by the land track in which they are permitted. So in Ohio's Constitution, you can have a casino as long as you're on a very specific land track that just happened to be owned by the people behind the constitutional amendment. So long explanation to say this, if we want to keep gun control out of Ohio's Constitution, we've got to raise the bar so that only the most important items wind up in our Constitution.
0: And I want to clarify, you were saying 50.1% of the vote. It's actually 50% of the vote plus one extra vote, one individual extra vote. So you could have things going into the Constitution that weren't even necessarily popular. And it could you know, basically just the state is split on it. And it still gets in because of the vagaries of, of voting, not something you know, where you think would be in a constitution that there's a little more consensus on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think if, again, you go back to the way the feds do it, you know, when you're going to change your foundational document, the document that outlines our freedoms, that outlines restrictions on the power of government, it ought to take a real consensus of our citizens to change that document. And the current setup just allows Just a simple majority, uh, which can easily be achieved with the deep pocket books of a radical organization like a gun control group. And so that's why if we want to protect Ohio's Constitution and, frankly, our Second Amendment rights, then SJR, two was just key to give the voters a chance to put those protections in
0: place. Right. When it comes to ballot issues, it's really just all about show me the money. Whoever has the most money generally wins, and, you know, there's always talk about money in politics, but it's a real connection here. Special interests literally can buy their way onto a statewide ballot and then spend millions in advertising to change the Constitution, Rob.
1: Yeah, in fact, you know, one of our partner organizations, the Sportsman's Alliance, has done 29 ballot issues over the last 40 years. And of those 29, the side that raised the most money was victorious on 28 of those 29 campaigns. So I would put this to any of our listeners. Do you think we can keep up with Mike Bloomberg? You know, if if one of these issues is on the ballot to change our constitution, can we keep up with billionaire Mike Bloomberg? Because if we cannot, it is highly likely that gun restrictions would be put in our Constitution. It's just a money game when it comes to ballot issues, and you know, when it comes to your Constitution, you'd like to think that we're a little more careful than that, but Ohio is not in its current framework.
0: And this is not academic, right? We're not making this up. In early 2020, if everyone remembers this, there was a ballot initiative on universal background checks that was getting started. They were trying to collect signatures, and of COVID had not shut down everything that could have ended up on the ballot. And big money groups like every town would have spread disinformation to influence voters because that's how that works. And if they get one victory, they'll come back for more. As you said, AR bans, magazine bans, eliminating preemption, which I think they've sort of started to hit on recently and have figured out if they can get that, they can basically roll back every gun law that we've ever passed in the state, if, if preemption goes, it all goes. It, it's the, the
1: threat is real. In fact, when I was testifying before the House and Senate, some of the Democrats were skeptical, saying, "You know, you're you're trying to cure something that hasn't been a problem." Well, I've seen a lot of these ballot issues, and I can tell you this: once you lose once, the other side smells a weakness, and they come back. We saw it happen in Washington and Oregon and California, Colorado, Arizona, all those Western states that are big ballot issue states. We don't want that here. And this is our chance to raise the bar uh, to provide some additional protection, not just for gun owners, but really just for all of our constitutional freedoms.
0: And you talked about the U.S. Constitution and how it's hard to amend I just want to talk about that a little bit. Now, again, if you're going to change the U.S. Constitution, you need two-thirds votes of both chambers of Congress. That's both the representatives and the senators. And then you need states to weigh in, 38 states. That's three-fourths of state legislators. That's a pretty high bar to change the Constitution. And the question is why? Why do you want it to be difficult to change a Constitution? Well, because a constitution's the cornerstone of our law it's supposed to last right i mean it's supposed to provide stability it's not supposed to change on a whim you and you want broad consensus you want people to agree not have it so narrow that we're going to constantly be going back and forth and changing the constitution right
1: yeah oh yeah it, you know what a good parallel dean if you look at the way the last 3 presidents have behaved the last three presidents had a lot of difficulty getting things through the U S Congress. Cause you know, our Congress is mainly full of gridlock. him. So what did they do? They enacted regulations in favor of their political viewpoint. So, you know, we had Obama who set a record, I think for regulations that he put into place, then Trump who put a lot of regulations in place and then Biden, who put a lot of regulations in place. And what did all three of them have in common? When they got into office, they undid what what the previous guy had put in place. We can't afford to have that in our Constitution. People need to know and depend on what our freedoms are, and equally important, what restrictions there are on government and its ability to intrude on those freedoms.
0: Right, and I think you you would find that the other side would be pretty upset. They keep talking about, you know, democracy and one extra vote is all you should need. Well, you know, make that argument when they're arguing for somebody's rights. And then that's what we're talking about. We're talking about rights. You know, we shouldn't be changing what our rights are based on some fervor that happens to be in the media uh, or in the moment. And the Constitution just needs to be more permanent, on that score, yeah. and, and again, Ohio, as you said, is in the minority of states that even permit constitutional amendments by initiative petition at all. You look at states like Florida, where you need 60 percent; Colorado, 55; New Hampshire, 66; Illinois, 60; Arizona, at least on tax increases, requires 60. This is not an unusual or radical idea. Uh, it's, it's the way that things are done at the federal level and the state level in in that regard, Ohio is kind of an outlier. We're just, we haven't been doing things right for a long time. And that's why there's so much garbage in our constitution.
1: That's exactly right. And it's not a right wing, left wing thing. So left wing states like New York don't allow their constitution to be changed this way. Maryland, very left wing state doesn't allow its constitution to be changed this way. You know, most of the Northeastern states. So, Ohio's constitutional system is vulnerable to people who have unlimited amounts of money. And unfortunately for us, the gun control lobby has a lot of money. So, that's why we're involved in this. There is actually lots of people who are interested in having protection from this kind of mob rules tyranny. Uh, It goes far beyond just the second amendment. And that's why, that's what makes this opportunity unique.
0: So Rob, let's get back to the drama down at the Ohio state house. And this was on Wednesday, May 10th, as we're recording this, that's just a couple of days ago. Now, when I showed up, the rotunda was starting to fill up with supporters and opponents. Can you just describe the scene for us, Rob? And and maybe we'll not talk about personal hygiene here. Just what was, what, what was that like? When people started showing up and, f- and filling the place up.
1: Yeah. So, you know, our side got out in front of it, you know, so session was started at three o'clock and we told our folks to start arriving around 1230 or one. I was there actually around 1220. At that point, there were three people there, two, two of us for SGR two and one against, uh, you know, an hour later, I think we had probably seventy-five of our people standing front and center. They they kept everybody down in the rotunda at the foot of the steps, and so we had a whole bunch of people in white shirts who were on our side. Uh, however, word spread to the opponents who were huddled in a church of all places uh, to coordinate that we were already there, and so then they began to filter in. You know, I would say there were definitely more of them. But I still think we had a pretty darn good showing. We might have been as much as a third of the amount of people that were there. Uh, in, the, in the photos that you might have seen in the media, all the headlines said basically it was all opponents. But if you look at those photos, the white shirts, those were our people. And so we actually did have a pretty good showing. Uh, and our people were largely quiet. And then when the other side got there, they were a lot of them were wearing yellow shirts. Uh, they began to do chants uh, of various slogans, most of which didn't make a whole lot of sense that I think we probably will talk about. Uh, and it got louder and louder and they brought in film crews to film it. It became a real spectacle. Uh, and they opened the doors to let people come into the house gallery. I want to say around two 30 and for those who don't know the state house very well, the, the house chamber has a balcony, uh, that has about two rows of seating on three of the four sides, like a horseshoe. Uh, and, uh, I don't know how many people it holds, probably 300 people, something about like that. It's not very big.
0: Yeah. I, w- I would say not even 300. I, I maybe, maybe 150 max. I, I don't know. It's, I'm curious to find out, but it wasn't, it was a fraction of. Of who was waiting in the rotunda.
1: Yeah. So, you know, because we had been there so early, we were able to get in uh, to the gallery. Uh, It quickly filled up. People from the other side attempted to sit on the laps of some of our own folks in the gallery. It was a pretty bizarre situation. But once the house gaveled into order, The opponents of SJR two that did not get in, uh, screamed their chants outside the House chamber. You could hear them throughout the entire session, uh, as they as they did their various chants, and then of course. Well, no, I didn't. I
0: I didn't hear chants, Rob. I just heard screaming. I mean, once we got in there, at some point, they just began screaming. Yeah, it was it was just a just a primal scream.
1: It was, it was like being at a NFL football game, you know, when the other team's trying to get its offense going and you just stand up and basically scream. That's exactly right. Um, For those of us who did get in, uh, whenever something was said that the opponents disagreed with, they got vocal. And uh, the Speaker of the House, Jason Stevens, oh, I think he probably issued about, what, four warnings, Dean, you know, that he, he expected people to comport themselves. Correctly. And uh the last time they really took off yelling, and I think Stevens played it right. I, I obviously didn't like that you and I and others that were behaving got kicked out, but he kicked everybody, right? So he emptied the gallery. I think it would have been a spectacle to drag out individual rabble rousers, and he wisely avoided that. Um I've been around the State House a long time, so you know, I I was able to get Dean and I out of there without having to go through that mob that was in the rotunda.
0: And it was, uh, I mean, frankly, it was a little concerning because if you've ever been up there, uh, you know, it, it's an old building and, you know, you you walk close to the edge of the balcony and it's not like, the, you know, the, the bar that keeps you from falling is up around your chest or something like, you know, like at a mall when there's a big drop off, you know, usually there's some safety device there. The, the little bars are down around your thighs. If you trip, someone bumps you, you're falling off that balcony. It's not yeah. it's not a safe place, and a fight almost broke out to my right because one of the opponents, I guess, was pretty worked up, and he was trying to get into it with some people sitting around him because he discovered that he was in the minority in that, that particular uh, group. So, yeah, I mean, it was a... Pretty wild situation. Rob, have you ever been kicked out of the chamber before? That's my first time.
1: I've never been kicked out before. I I at least would have liked to have earned it, you know, with some real civil disobedience, some real Boston Tea Party type stuff. But instead, I was sitting there like a good boy and and got kicked out for doing absolutely nothing
0: wrong. And this was after the vote. Now, they, you know, there was various uh, applause or chants or whatever. And it wasn't really out of control until they took a vote on the amendment. And and, and you can explain that amendment. Um, uh, it The amendment passed 56 to 32, and that was about getting the August election. Now, why did they have to add that to this uh, joint resolution?
1: Yeah. So last session, the legislature eliminated most august special elections and they still allowed themselves to make exceptions that's what was in the law passed last year the media has not covered that the media has simply implied that they banned special elections and that's not true uh but it was it's pretty fresh they just did it a year ago uh and so they wanted to set this election in august we can talk about why here in just a moment uh so it took a special amendment in order to set the August election date, uh, and that required 50 of the 99 state representatives to approve in order to set the election in August. And as you said, we got 56.
0: So once that vote was taken, the amendment was approved, and that's when all hell broke loose. The sergeant-at-arms had to you know, boot everybody out, and Rob, we just left the State House altogether, and we w- walked down the street to a restaurant to watch the vote on my cell phone. Fortunately, we had Wi-Fi down there, you know, thank God for technology. And we were texting with legislators. We were on the phone with our website editor, writing a report, you know, as all this was happening, counting votes and so on. There was some debate about sjr2 not as much as i had expected i thought that was going to go on for a lot longer but the democrats were talking about this as if democracy itself was ending i mean it was really over the top but you know they they did have the vote it passed 63 to 37 and rob unfortunately we were very disappointed by this there were some republicans who voted no
1: yeah yeah uh I think it was 62, not 63, uh, Dean, but um, there were five uh, Republicans who voted no. You know, we needed 60 votes in order to send this to the voters. So, you know, 62, we had a little bit of cushion. Um, but the five that voted no, uh, it was really made clear to all of them that this was a top priority vote for gun owners across Ohio and our ability to defend ourselves. So yeah, I, I think we're pretty darn
0: disappointed with the five that voted the other way. Rob, frankly, I think we ought to just go ahead and tell people who the Republicans were who voted against us. I mean, we told everybody that, uh, you know, this was going to be an important vote. We were going to hold people accountable and, uh, you know, that they were going to get docked on grades and. And everything else. I mean, do you want to you want to read that list? I've got it right here in front of me. Because we yeah um, go
1: ahead yeah go ahead yeah I mean it was
0: the I mean obviously all the Democrats voted against both the resolution and the August ballot amendment, but five Republicans did the same thing: Jamie Callender, Jay Edwards, Brett Hillier, Jeff Luray, and Thomas Patton. So yeah. we were very disappointed with this, and they knew in advance what the consequence was going to be. So, Rob, we're, we are going to hold them accountable. You know, when come election time, there are going to be consequences.
1: Well, they will have to be, right? I mean, if, 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 they, if we don't hold them accountable for why they voted against the interest of Second Amendment advocates, then no one would ever take us seriously ever again. And, you know, four of the five, or three of the five, I should say, I, I pretty well knew were going to vote no. Uh, you know, Hillier and Edwards, uh, and the Patton. uh, Jamie calendar, I thought was 50, 50. I never felt entirely comfortable with him, uh, but I hoped we would get him. And then Jeff Luray, uh, by all indications, we had him in the yes column. So he was a surprise, no vote. Uh, and, and I have not heard from representative Luray as to why he changed his mind, went the other direction. You know, I, I think in the short term, we're going to be concentrating on this August election. But in the in the longer term, in terms of, uh, you, you know, holding our elected officials accountable for being with us, there's no doubt that this is something that we'll have to deal with.
0: And what we're talking about is withholding endorsements and downgrading them. So if, you know, someone ordinarily would have an A, they're going to, they're going to drop seriously uh, in the grades, and we're going to remind people because we do a lot of get out the vote work and reminding people of who to vote for and all of that. And, and we're going to make sure people remember later on when—and I don't mean just in August for that vote. I'm, I'm talking about when these people are up for elections, we're going to remind them of how they voted because this scored really high for all of our initiatives, and it's a big part of the grade.
1: Yeah, it will be, and it should be. Um, And sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I mean, the guy's been mostly with you or he's been always with you until this one. That's true. But I would also say this. No elected official would accept it if I said, well, we mostly vote your way. You know, when you're up for election, we don't take an election off. You're not okay if we just sit one out. You would find that equally disconcerting if you were running for office. So I think, you know, we are loyal to pro gun legislators and in turn, we expect them to be loyal to us. So uh, having the five, no votes was disappointing uh, especially uh, the one that we thought we had in the yes column. Uh, So we'll have that to deal with, as you say. Um, But I really, you know, I really do think we need to stress to listeners that I believe Election Day is 89 days away. And so our focus is going to shift from that topic for a little while and we'll return to it. But honestly, the now that we've got it on the ballot, it's up to us to make sure that we get out to vote or vote early in this August special election, which is not something your typical voter is accustomed to doing.
0: Now the media and opponents, well, I mean, let's just say it. They're lying about what SJR 2 is all about. If you've been reading the editorials in the newspapers, especially the Columbus Dispatch, but I've been seeing this all over. I mean, they're just lying about what this resolution does. They're calling it a power grab. They're saying it's undemocratic. Protesters at the Statehouse, and you referred to this, Rob, kept chanting, one person, one vote, as if HJR 2 affects voting rights, which is absurd. Why so much deception and misinformation on this, Rob? Because we're putting it to the voters. They can decide if they like this 60% threshold or not. Yes,
1: yeah, and, and literally, they will decide one person and one vote at a time to see if they have enough people to defeat it or we have enough people to pass it. Let's just be clear. Senate Joint Resolution 2 does not take away a single voter's ability to vote. And in addition to the whole one person, one vote chant, there were a lot of shirts that said count every vote. And I found that equally confusing, right? Because there's never been a suggestion that we're not going to count the
0: vote. So you're saying that the Democrats or liberals are suggesting that there's hanky panky at the ballot box all of a sudden? Yeah, I, yeah, imagine that,
1: right? I heard that, uh, that if you do that, you're actually undermining democracy itself, right? I, I think it is such a gross exaggeration, typical of the left-wing progressive radical. Every time they disagree with something, it's a threat to democracy. Even though states that are completely controlled by liberal governments are more restrictive than we are, have better protections than we do. I'm supposed to believe that Ohio has a threat to its democracy because of this change. It's rabble-rousing. It's irresponsible. It's misleading. It's dishonest, but let's face it. We, every time we go to pass another gun rights bill, we have to hear about the old okay corral debate. So I suppose we're used to the lies. You know, I don't know why this one surprised me so much, but it did.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, Just the old thing, right? We are used to this. Uh, On our side, we really try to focus on facts, and I believe that. I believe that we're always talking about facts, you know, the facts about guns, the facts about crime, and everything else, and it's just hyperbole on the other side. The media is in full meltdown over this, Rob, and here are just some headlines that I've seen. One is, Ohio lawmakers working to shred our Constitution— Another one is desperate Ohio lawmakers ready to slap voters in the face. Uh, here's a third one, scared Ohio GOP up to frightening ruse. I'm, I mean, this stuff is, is really over the top, and it's just a lie. Uh, you know, the, the voters are going to decide on this, and they might vote yes, they might vote no. But we're going to find out. And I got to say, Rob, if the media is this upset over SJR 2, honestly, we must be doing something right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're, they're so worked up and you certainly can't trust them. Uh, and you certainly can't trust them on this. So one of the topics, let's talk about the elephant in the room. One of the topics is the media has consistently said that this entire issue is about preventing a future constitutional amendment to give people the right to have an abortion. And it is true that abortion opponents are in favor of SJR 2, just like we are. But the threat of the gun control groups to our Constitution is the reason Buckeye Firearms Association is involved in this debate. The threat to hunting rights And future ballot issues to ban hunting rights, like we've seen elsewhere, in Ohio's Constitution is the reason the Sportsman's Alliance is in favor of SJR 2. And then immediately after SJR 2 passed, there was an announcement by business groups, the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, the Ohio Restaurant Association, the Ohio Hotel and Lodging Association. That's the three that come to mind right off the top of my head all came out and said that they also favor raising the bar to 60% and their motivation had more to do with economic issues. The other side is going to lie throughout this entire process. So we'll have our work cut out for us in terms of making sure voters know what the real story is.
0: So now that SJR two is passed, we have less than three months until the special August election and what has to happen between now and then? And and the date, by the way, is August 8th. What has to happen between now and August eight? Yeah. So
1: I think I would say there are three things that need to happen. Number one is we're going to have to raise a bunch of money. You know, the other side is going to be getting their money in great big chunks uh, from, you know, the some of the more left-wing groups that have packed the, the, uh, the gallery and the rotunda that day, I have no doubt they'll be well-funded. So our groups, all these different folks that we just mentioned, the business groups and us and the sportsman's groups and the life groups and that, we're going to have to band together to raise money. And so I think you'll see, whether it's BFA or it's sportsman groups, I think you're going to see various efforts to do our part. The second thing we're going to have to work on is we're going to have to make sure that our people are registered to vote. It's really funny. When you get into a crowd of people, nobody will confess they're not registered to vote. However, when you actually see voter rolls, it it turns out a lot of people haven't voted in a long time. Ohio is a state that purges its voter rolls every so often. So if you haven't voted for a while, you'll fall off the voter roll. Or if you've moved and not changed your address, you'll fall off the voter roll. So we're going to have to make sure that our people are registered to vote. And then finally, most important, our people are going to have to get out to vote. And so there's two ways in Ohio you can get out to vote. You can vote early by requesting a ballot, uh, or, or you can go to the Board of Elections and vote in, perp- in person uh, prior to the election. And then, of course, there's the good old-fashioned way of showing up on election day, standing in line, and casting your vote. One last caveat on this, Dean. We really cannot afford to turn our nose up at early voting. Early voting has increasingly been a factor over the last four years of voting. You know the Democrats are going to be firing up their early voting machine. We're going to have to do some work to make sure that our folks get out to vote early, as well as those who prefer the old-fashioned way.
0: Yeah, I, I prefer the old-fashioned way. I, I voted once with a, a you know, mail-in ballot, and I got to say, I thought that was a lot of work. But I, you know, I'm just used to driving to a, a polling location. But, but either way, you do it. I urge everybody listening, mark your calendar for August 8. I mean, do it right now. Uh, Whether you have a paper calendar, electronic calendar, whatever, August 8th, mark it down. Tell your friends, your family to do the same and make sure you get out and vote yes on HJR2. Now, there's no language because this just passed. And so, you know, it's all going to have to be written up and and so on. But, uh, you know, you're going to have to vote yes to support SJR2 to raise the threshold for amending the Ohio Constitution to 60%. And this is crucial for protecting our Constitution and our Second Amendment rights. Rob, any final thoughts on all of this craziness?
1: No, I tell you what, you just put as fine a point on it as you possibly could do.
0: We need to vote. Yeah, I mean, and and that's it. Because the other side is pretty fired up about this, and and they're going to, you know, and as a rule, they're just better at communicating. You and I were talking about this when we were down there. Every left-leaning group gets involved in every issue. It's not like us. You know, we tend to stick to gun rights. Sportsman groups tend to stick to sportsman stuff. You know, we're all kind of siloed. But on the other side, man, they all get involved in everything. So getting out the vote for them, I think, is much easier than for us. However, We have some very dedicated folks on our side. We can win this. We just have to get out. You know, it doesn't matter what the weather is. doesn't matter. Man, you break your leg, you crawl there. I mean, you do whatever you got to do because this may be one of the biggest issues that we've ever seen. And this is an avenue we can close off for gun control in Ohio. If this this doesn't work, then we're going to be at risk pretty much forever. So, uh, Rob... Thanks for explaining all this. Thanks for all your hard work on the issue because uh, I, you know, people may, maybe don't really understand how big of, um, of a deal this is and how much work BFA has put into it because we've been front and center on this right from the beginning. So keep up the good work. And Rob, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. I look forward to it. Thank you, Dean. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at buckeyefirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.